0: You're listening to Perry Noble's thoughts on leadership, vision, and creativity. You can find Perry online at perrynoble.com. Hello and welcome to the December 2015 edition of the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast. Let's do it. Uh, We're super excited about today's uh, podcast, but before we get to our content are a topic today i want to mention a couple of things that you guys need to know about march the third 2016 go ahead and write that down on your calendar March the 3rd, 2016. It's a Thursday. We're going to do a one-day leadership conference called The Most Excellent Way to Lead. Perry, you're writing a book, or actually you've already written the book. It's getting ready to be released, March the 1st, and we're going to kick it off big with an awesome leadership conference on March the 3rd. We need everybody out there to go to perrynoble.com and to check out all the information about that conference and go ahead and get signed up. Tickets or seats, I should say, will be Limited, so you do not want to miss that. And, and the oh,
1: speaker, go ahead. well, no, the speaker lineup is, is it's unreal. Awesome. It's a uh, help, help me because it's well, Dave, Dave it, Ramsey, Dave Ramsey, who has forgotten more about leadership than I'll ever know. Um, Stephen Furtick, Pastor Stephen Furtick, um, our very own Brad Cooper, Brad Cooper. who that, I'm really looking forward to hearing him. Um, Lisa Turkhurst will be with
0: us. And she's fantastic. If you've never heard her.
1: Unreal. Talk. And then um, Pastor Mark Driscoll is going to come in and be interviewed live on stage. It's and so be great. it's going to be a great, great day. And I hope everybody can show up because it's going to be fun.
0: Yeah, don't miss that. Again, get your information at PerryNoble.com. Another thing you do at PerryNoble.com is register to win ten. All right, 10 people will win signed copies of Overwhelmed and Unleashed, two books Perry have, have written over the last couple of years, fantastic books about following Jesus and about dealing with the pressures of life. Uh, you don't want to uh, miss out on those. If you haven't bought them, go buy one. But we're going to give 10 people signed copies of each of those books. You can also register at perrynoble.com giveaway for that. Last month, if you were listening, we also told you we were going to give away a ticket to the leadership conference. Yes. And we are going to do that. Yes, we are. And the person who won isn't from the south. No. They're from way up north. Yes. Taylors, Michigan. If yes. you're listening, Delane Robbins, yes. you have one. Tickets uh to the most excellent way to lead. You're and getting
1: you're, out of Michigan,
0: coming to the promised land. In March. Good so probably snow on the ground in Michigan yes. and like 65 degrees. Here. Yes, it'll you, be
1: awesome. Dylan, you have you have just you are on your way to the land of milk and honey and sweet tea.
0: We're excited about it's that, and amazing. you'll be contacted uh, very soon to get all uh, so we can make sure you get those tickets. Yes,
1: because you live in Mi- Michigan, we're going to have to send a carrier pigeon. So just wait on it for a little while; it will show up one day. It'll get when there when you least expect it.
0: Yep. All right. Today, the topic: the most excellent way to lead. We're just going to jump in all over this topic, Perry, because we're excited about. Uh, the book you've written. You know, 1 Corinthians 13 is known as the love chapter in the Bible, and it's a passage of Scripture that's used so often in weddings, and you use that chapter to really teach not new ways to do weddings, but how to lead in the most excellent way. Um, and it's really, Perry, when I read it uh, the first time, I just realized this is a real profound book. Uh, insight, a real profound uh, look at what leadership really is and what God says about the best way for us to lead. So today on the podcast, we're going to be giving people a little insight into the concept of leading by love, which is in your book, The Most Excellent Way to Lead. So let me just start out with this. How did the idea of looking at 1 Corinthians 13 in terms of leading first come to you? You know shane
1: that's a great question um so i've been following jesus for 25 years uh but i've been reading the bible nearly all my life my my parents sent me to private school up until i was um uh uh, in fourth or fifth grade and i went to an independent baptist private school Um, and there's nothing wrong with independent baptists they just they love jesus but have no fun um but they're serious about the Bible. And so I had I had Bible classes, and so I've read. The, I'm, I'm I was vaguely aware of Scripture, um, in as a kid, and then, um, you know, just over the past 25 years, reading the Bible is one of the things I love to do. Is how I personally connect with Jesus. I feel the most, but First Corinthians 13 has always always confused me. Um, and, he, and here's why. Number one, uh when it when it comes to the the Bible, one of the things that that I hear people say a lot of times is, man, I want to get back to the way churches were in in the New Testament. And I'm like, "Um, they were crappy. Paul planted crappy churches in the New Testament. If they were so good, then why did he have to write books like 1 Corinthians where he said, hey, you can't get drunk in the Lord's Supper and you should not have sex with your mother-in-law. I mean, if the church was so perfect, I just think you wouldn't have to write stuff like that. So the all paul's letters to the churches in the new testament are actually encouraging because he wrote those churches because they were screwed up in their either the galatian church had gotten into works based theology or whatever but 1 corinthians um in 1 corinthians chapter 12 he writes about spiritual gifts and and leadership and things like that and in 1 corinthians 14 he's 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 writing about the um specifically the gift of tongues and but more even more in depth about leadership again first Corinthians 14 is where um, he said if the trumpet does not sound a clear you know call who will come to the battle or whatever but first Corinthians 13 always to me did not seem to fit and it always to me it was always like Paul's writing about leadership and spiritual gifts then he stops and he has this thought man one of these days Christians are going to get married and they're going to need some scripture to read in their ceremony and so they'll they'll he wrote that scripture and then he was like, okay now I'm going to talk about leadership again. So it never really flowed. And I guess it it didn't occur to me until you know just a few years ago and I've known this, but it just hit me, the Bible wasn't originally written chapter and verses. It's one document. So 1 Corinthians is one document that Paul wrote. He didn't write chapter and verse. And so um, Paul did not put the break. Of 1 Corinthians 13. We put the break, mankind put the break, because I don't think we really understood it. But if 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is talking about leadership and 1 Corinthians chapter 14 is talking about leadership, then 1 Corinthians 13 is the glue that holds those chapters together because I believe it's talking about leadership. I don't, now, if you, I don't think you're misusing scripture if you use it in a wedding ceremony. I just don't think that was the purpose of the original context in which it was written. Paul is writing about leadership in church. He's not mentioning marriage relationships or dating relationships at all. And so when I began to look at first Corinthians 13 through the lens of leadership and about how that could apply, and it really does change the game for leaders. I was like, man, I feel like I got to write about that.
0: That's good. Well, when you, um, when I first heard this, you shared this in all-staff meeting, mm-hmm. and uh, you know I think it really connected with me and lots of people, too. And so I know it went from concept to you shared this sort of as a leadership lesson for our church, but then to take the time to actually, hey, I'm going to sit down and write this out into a book. Talk about that. What was the process for you uh, jumping into actually writing the book?
1: Well, I wrote the—so I developed this idea for about three or four months, and I wrote it out on a scratch pad. And um, I was like, man, I think I think this is I think I need to teach my staff this. And so you're right, I taught it in that all staff, and all of you guys were. Um, I mean, let, let's be let, let's be honest. You guys have heard me teach for 15 years. You're not that impressed with me. I mean, it's just it's like, okay, he's on another one of these rants again. But everybody to the person came up to me and said, "I've never seen it that way. I've never thought about it that way. I've never considered that." And I thought, well, if we've never considered it. How many other people have never considered it? And so I just began to, um, I wrote out a big outline and sent it to my publisher. And my publisher sent me an email back going, This is the book we got to do. We got to do this book because it really is going to help leaders.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that for sure. It certainly has helped me. Well, let me just ask this What is Leadership by Love? Leadership by Love. So everybody
1: calls um, 1 Corinthians 13 the love chapter. And so I, I was reading at the very end of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 31, Paul says this, the last part of verse 31 says, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. Now he's talking about leadership. He's talking about spiritual gifts. He's talking about leadership. And yet I will show you the most excellent way. And then he goes into, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, and he gets to love is patient, love is kind. And so leadership by love comes down to how a, how a leader Treats people. A leader's legacy will be remembered for how that leader treated people, not what they accomplished. Because I would argue that if you're, um, if you want to talk about accomplishments, Hitler accomplished a lot. I would not put him in the category of an excellent leader. Joseph Stalin accomplished a lot. I would not put him. In the category of being an excellent leader, I think a leader's legacy is solely based on how they treated the people they worked with. And if we look at the life and ministry of Jesus, Jesus led people by loving people. Even when he rebuked people and had tough conversations with them, he did so out of love, not for the purpose of building them or tearing them down, but for the purpose of building them up. And so leadership by love is very simply, hey, I don't care how much business experience you have. I don't care if you have an MBA. I don't care if you've done a Jack Welch study course and all those things are great. But at the end of the day, if we as leaders do not know how to treat people properly, it doesn't, our systems, our strategies, none of those matter because people will not follow a leader that they don't believe in or trust in. That's
0: good. Long term. Share with us uh... Uh, a couple of ways how this concept can be applied practically or day-to-day.
1: So, um, yeah, so in, in a couple of the chapters I talk about... Um, so what we do in the book is um, when you take the verses, 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 13 verse 4 through 7, love is patient, love is kind, everywhere you see the word love, you take the word love and you replace it with leadership. So it would literally be leadership is patient, leadership is kind, leadership does not envy, leadership does not boast, leadership is not proud, um, and j- just a couple concepts. So leadership does not envy. Um, one, of the, one of the most damaging things that can happen with a leader um, in any organization, and we see this in church world, but it's across the board, is um, when the leader becomes jealous of someone that's better than them. So they're the leader, they're the pastor, they're the president. They've got a table of people, and there's somebody at the table, and they're always bringing up a better idea, a better solution, a better way of doing things. Maybe they're even a better speaker or a better communicator. And if, if, if a leader envies, he becomes jealous of that person or she becomes jealous of that person, and they will actually push them away rather than draw them in leverage their strengths, leverage their wisdom, leverage their ability, and actually help make the entire organization better. Um, another one is uh, leadership is patient. And you you were, you were with me when I discovered this lesson. And uh, I remember we were sitting in this room. We were sitting in this room, and I came in this room and shared with our leadership team an idea that I had had that I'd been like it had been in like in the secret weapons development department um that's a metaphor we do not make weapons here at new spring church but it i'd kind of been thinking about it praying about it studying it i had fully developed this idea and i'd had six months with it and i brought it in here and shared it with you guys in five minutes and I was expecting, I'm was i going to be honest, Shane, I was expecting you guys to put me on your shoulders and, and walk me around the building, of but, um, but you didn't, you guys had questions and you had questions. And the more you asked questions, the angrier I got. And um, I remember leaving that day going, they just don't get it. They just don't get it. They just don't get it. Not realizing that um, what it had taken me six months to get excited about, I expected you guys to get excited about it in six minutes. So I was violating the love is patient. I was not patient. I did not... Um, so I had to develop thick skin and come in and sit down and explain it over and over and over and over again. And that's what... That's just, Those are just a couple no, concepts are, we talk about really in the
0: book. Those really good. I and mean, my next question kind of is a piggyback off of, of what you just said. Because, you know, you hear, you know, exchange the word leadership for every time love. And, you know, we want to be loving and we want to encourage the people around us and all this kind of stuff. But when... You know the rubber hits the road, and you, you're trying to get things done. Sometimes it's difficult to lead in that way. Why do you think that that some leaders find it difficult to really lead with this concept of love by loving the people around them?
1: Well, it takes. Um, let me say this: an insecure person is incapable of leading people by love. That it's just not possible. So if you if you have personal insecurities, then you're going to have an inability to lead people by love because it, it, it really does. Um, you got to care more about who the person is becoming than what they're doing. You've got to be, and when I say leadership by love, I mean, Please don't think that I'm encouraging leaders to put on a cupid costume and run around the and because that that you should not do that you should get fired if you do that. I, was gonna say, um, I wasn't going to
0: tell anybody that you do that. Okay, but. that's
1: the big secret. That's the big secret. It's really <laughs> I really do it's look stunning. I look stunning in the cupid costume. <laughs> um, but people go, you know, leadership by love. Maybe it sounds a little bit girly, and I think I don't want to hug people. No, 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 no. Um, Jesus, let's go back to Jesus. So in Matthew chapter sixteen, Jesus. Um, says who do you th- who do you say I am? And Peter confesses him as Christ. And Jesus goes, Hey, you know, blessed are you. You're right. And but just a few verses later, Jesus says, Now, hey guys, here's the deal. I'm going to be crucified, and they're going to take me, and they're going to kill me. And but three days later, I'm going to ri- rise again. And Peter kind of took Jesus aside and said, This will never happen. And then Jesus looks at Peter and says, Get behind me, Satan. And I'm like, Okay, that's Eight. that's Jesus modeling what it looks like to have a tough conversation Jesus called him out um they, they were kind of to the side so Jesus didn't like call him out in front of the whole group but but I I remember just reading that going man Jesus loved Peter so much that he was willing to have a tough conversation and say you know get behind me Satan you do not have the things of God in mind you have the things of man in mind and if a leader has equity with the people that he or she leads they can have those type of conversations very honest very frank very direct but the purpose at the end of the day the entire purpose of the conversation is to build
0: up not to tear down right and so honesty is the key there i mean love loving somebody is just being honest with them
1: yeah yeah i mean you gotta love you gotta love people enough to tell them they're doing a good job and you gotta love people enough to tell them you're not doing a good job. And it's difficult. It, listen, in the world that we work in, in church world, um, typically, if you get a job, you, you have it for life. Um, because nobody will say, hey, we got to make a transition or a change. But if you love people, you're going to have to love them through difficult circumstances and changes. And um, that's part of what we're called to do as leaders.
0: With kindness and patience, right? Kindness and, and all the rest. Hey, uh, let me ask you about uh, this. So, this idea of leading in the most excellent way—is this only applicable uh, to leaders in ministry, or would you say this applies to any leader in any marketplace or any any type of uh, market?
1: I so uh, um, we got some galley copies of the book. Tyndale gave us some galley copies, and we got to send it out to people and. Um, ask them, did they want endorsements? So for those w- wondering what a galley is, a galley is basically um, it's a book with all the typos still in it. And so, I, uh, I was gonna
0: say, isn't that where you eat on a ship? The galley, <laughs> <Yeah>. yes, yes.
1: <laughs> and so, I um, I had a couple. So I've got a friend that's an engineer, and he works. Um, and so he's he's a Christian, loves Jesus, but he works in this corporation. He's been with the corporation for about a year, year and a half. He's received two promotions since he's been there. I mean, he's climbing the ladder. And he's doing real, real, real good. And I've got another friend that, that owns a car dealership. Now, it's not it's not Bob and Frank's used cars. I mean, it is like a major car dealership. And so I gave both of these guys these books. And I said, hey, um, I want you to read these books, because I know they read, and let me know what you think. And both of them, within a week, had called me, wanted had scheduled dinner with me. The other one I just ran into last night. And they said, um... What you wrote about works anywhere. If you lead people with patience and kindness, and you're not self-seeking, um, not easily angered, if you lead people that way, it doesn't matter if you're building a church or a car dealership or you're working at a lighting company. It's th- The way you treat people will always come back on you. And that's not karma. That's just simply life 101 the way you treat Jesus said it treat others I mean do to others what you wish they would do to you that is a great leadership principle but that's what 1 Corinthians 13 is all about because at the end of the day the people I lead you know what I want them to do I want them to be patient with me Mm -hmm. because I'm going to screw up I want them to be kind to me I don't want them to be easily angered at me I don't want I, I want them to rejoice in the truth I don't want them to keep records of right and right. I wrong. I don't want that from them. So the best way to get that from them is to model that for them through the way I lead them.
0: That's real good. Leaders, listen. You get what you give. That's really great. That
1: really is true.
0: Of all the descriptors of love—this is my favorite question. It's my—I don't like this. Of all the descriptors of love from First Corinthians 13, which is the most difficult for you to apply?
1: Um, well, th- my wife can answer that question better. But I think it's the first one, patient. Love is patient. Because if you were describing Perry, you would not say Perry is patient. Um, and Shane, you've been, on, you've been on the opposite side of this. When I come into a room and I have an idea, I want to do it right then. So I want to let's let's do it. Let's do it. Let, we're starting four campuses. We're um, hi, we're launching this new area of ministry. We're doing this. We're doing X. We're doing Y. And um, I planted the church. So when we had 150 200 people total at the church, it was really easy to make an on the spot decision. Like we're changing service times next week or whatever. Now, when we make a decision, it one decision. Like if we say we're changing service times. Um, next Sunday. Change in service times. Change in service times. That decision before it even makes it to the people in our church affects a thousand people on our staff. Uh-huh. Now we don't have a thousand people on our staff, but when you take um, what do we have? Like 380, 380? Yep. So we got three eighty, but when you take spouses and kids, and so I can say something like, We're gonna change this now, and it affects a thousand people within five minutes, and that's before it's even made it to the church. And so I've had to learn to say, you know what? If we're going to make a change in, um, well, we talked about it the other day. We want to make a, a really, really cool change in some of the things we do at Newspring. And we were talking about this, and I was thinking more like January, and you were thinking more like August. And <laughs> and uh, this is true. This happened. It this is. conversation happened Just the other last day. Week. And um, I'm like, no, 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 we can do it in January. <laughs> and you're like, no, 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 August. And we came out of that. And I realized, um, I realized that you were right. That you know what, we got to do that in August. Now, here's the deal: technically, we could do it in January. We could, but it would be about seventy percent as effective as August. And so, man, I would much rather go. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna push the pause button. We're gonna do it. We're gonna get people prepared for it. And it's going to be a better decision. But that's the hardest one for me. Yeah, Patient.
0: That's good. That's a good explanation because you've taught us, like we have learned in those situations, you get real excited about things and we've learned we have to be patient to receive that. But you're really great in being patient and listening to, hey, let's talk through what the best solution is. Because the best solution could have been next week and we would have jumped in and did it. Uh, but I love the, the way that you've modeled for our leadership team and really all of our staff, that even when you get excited about something and there's something we want to get done now, because most leaders want things done now, Yep. We don't, want to sco- we don't want to make first downs. We want to score touchdowns. Yep. And so if we, we play the long game, we're going to win um, more times than not. Well, here's the, here's, ahead, the, well
1: no, here's the other thing with the patience thing. The, and I had to learn this the hard way, too. Um, I would walk into a room— I'm really fired up about an idea I want to implement immediately. We all get excited about it. We go fire up th- that idea. Then the leadership team and the staff and the volunteers begin to execute that. Two weeks later, I walk in the room with a brand new idea. <laughs> Two weeks after that, I walk in the room no, with a brand new idea. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> and so I remember, I mean, I, I mean, you guys have literally raised your hand and said, hey, you've been excited about four things in the past eight weeks. Which of the four are we supposed to be the most excited about so we can go execute those? And I'm like, oh, yeah. So I've got to be patient as a leader because um, leaders leaders don't see one step ahead. They see 10 steps ahead. And the beauty of that is we can see 10 steps ahead. The, the non-beautiful side of that is we didn't see the nine steps it took to get to the 10 mm-hmm. steps. And people who are having to execute the vision do. That's why patience is such a – I'm – I feel like I'm in a therapy session right <laughs> yeah, now. this is go. so good. So,
0: all right. So we we shared an example, but so and I I will I will just you know be a, a witness and say you know over the nearly eleven years you and I have been working together, I've seen this grow in uh, you. Uh, hopefully, it's grown in me too. But uh, how have you been able to approve in that area? What's been the What's been the catalyst to Perry becoming? more patient as a leader?
1: Um, well, just a few months ago, we opened up a Colorado campus and I started smoking pot. And it's really, for me, it's mellowed Again, me out. Yeah, that was
0: something we weren't supposed to leak out. Just it's
1: mell- I mean, I, I'm, I'm a little hungry um, a lot during the evenings and I've I, my love for Doritos has grown. But um, that's a joke. For We don't have a Colorado campus. And I yes. can say with 100% integrity, I've never smoked pot. I never have. I, I, because I, I knew I had an addictive personality. So I knew if I did, I was in. That was a good um, decision. But yeah, I didn't, I didn't smoke pot nor would I smoke pot. I'm not in favor of pot. Um, if you're listening to this podcast and smoking pot, like, why are you smoking pot? Stop it. Anyway, you gotta be more patient. Um, dad, yeah, you got to be more patient. So how have I been able to improve in that area? Man, I think, um, leading people by love means you're willing to listen to the people that you're leading. And I think by listening to people that I lead, with the the idea in mind, love always assumes the best. Love always assumes the best. Love always assumes the best. So trusting the people and kind of listening to you guys walk me through what it takes to execute a plan um, has really helped me because uh, when the church was small, we had two, three, four hundred people. Um, not only could I lead it, I could execute it, and I could mm-hmm. execute it well. Um, I I can barely execute putting on my clothes on Sunday morning now. <laughs> I mean, I, I just, I, I, uh, I, you know, there's some, but I think listening, slowing down to listening and understand that you guys, the, the, the team that I serve with, um, we lead through relationships. We don't lead through an org chart. We have an org chart, but if you lead through an org chart, you're going to get what that produces, which is robots, which is um, just people who have resumes and are sending them out as much as possible.
0: You get people who are committed to their role instead of to the vision of the church. Yep, you yep, or any organization.
1: That. But when you lead through relationships, um, that that's when it's a major, major, major win. That's good.
0: Well, uh, as we're winding down, I'm going to ask this. What advice would you give a leader who hears this and thinks, you know, I've not led any way, in any way, shape, or form like this my entire career. I don't know how I could possibly change things now. What advice would you give that leader? Well, I would
1: say if you're a Christian, change is always possible. Um, And and that's just—because I would say this, and and I'm not um, just a big-picture view— I feel like that I didn't completely start leading this way until about two or three years ago. Now, there were elements. I mean, I, I don't think I was a bad leader. I don't think I was.
0: I mean, you were a follower of Jesus.
1: I so. were. I was a follower of Jesus. Or you which are a follower I of Jesus. I am a follower of Jesus. I didn't lose my salvation. I'm not <laughs> Armenian in that area. So I, I, I feel like I, I did elements of this well, um, but I just feel like in the past two to three years, so just in my 40s. Just in my forties, I'm finally starting to see. You know what? It's people. It's having the right people. It's treating the right people right. Um, It's trusting people. Uh, I had a I had a hard time trusting people for a long period of time because this is what a pastor will say, and 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 a pastor will say this. And if you're a pastor or a business leader, this is what you'll say. Nobody will ever love this church as much as me. And and here's reality. if you don't have people around the table that love the church as much as you, you need to go fire every one of them and find people that love the church as much as you, because that's a martyr complex. That's a pastor pointing to how important he or she might be. I've got a table full of people that love this church way more than they even love me. And that's, that's a, that's a win. And so if you're struggling with leading this way, or you have a problem getting along with people um, this is what I love. Well, I've got on well, my personality test is okay. A personality test is not an excuse to sin. Nope. You know, Oh, I don't have a very high eye. Well, I don't. I don't have a high eye either. But I've got an IQ that tells me that I got to work with people if I want to build something great. So, um, man, drink a Dr Pepper, get a caffeine buzz, and and go in the room and <laughs> make eye contact. Good gosh. But don't smoke pot.
0: There you go. Hey, uh, before we, we wind down, two, two more questions specifically yeah. on the uh, conference. For those considering attending the conference in March, what are some things they can expect at the conference? You've listed who's going to be there, but what can they expect to get out of that um, experience?
1: Well, I will be making an appearance in the Cupid costume, so they're not going to want to miss that. Mm. Um, that's wow. worth the price of admission right there. It's amazing. That's scary. Um, no, every one of the speakers that I've asked to come in, I, I ask them with a specific goal in mind. Um, all of these people that are coming in to speak are, yeah, I'll go ahead and say this. They aren't people that have written a book, but never done anything. And there are too many conferences in the, in places all over the world that people write a book, but they've never done it. And Christians are the only people stupid, stupid enough to do that. Like doctors, if a, if a person wrote a book on surgery, but, but they've never performed surgery, doctors won't go to their conference. They'll laugh them out of the building. Christians will um, hold them up as heroes because they have a great theory, but they've never practiced it. So everybody that's coming to this conference, um, they, they're not going to be teaching leadership theory. They're going to be teaching leadership practices because they've taken something and they've built it in an industry where there are lots of people trying to do what they do, but they haven't been um, maybe as successful. So I want just, um, and I hate this phrase because it's so overused, but it's the only metaphor I can think of. I want everybody that day to feel like they're drinking from a fire hose. And it's going to be one day, it's going to be intense, and it's going to be my goal, our goal, is it would be one of the best investments you could make in your team.
0: Oh, yeah, no doubt. Uh, Speaking of uh, some of the guests, you know, we just want to go ahead and and give you a chance to to, uh, deal with this. There's definitely are definitely been some people questioning, why would you have Mark Driscoll Mm -hmm. at a conference that's about leading by love? Uh, Why don't you address that and, and let our listeners know why you invited Mark to be a part of this?
1: Yeah, what our listeners need to know is Mark Driscoll is a friend of mine. Mark Driscoll has been a friend of mine for over a decade. Um, I love him, and I stand by his side. Uh, some people go, well, he's done this, and he's done that, and he's done this. And my, th- my, my comment back to them is always like, do you want to talk about what you've done? Do you want to talk about what's happened in your life? Do you want to talk about the mistakes and the sins and the failures that you've had? Christians, um, we preach the message of forgiveness. We just don't live it very well especially with our Christian leaders. Um, And I believe in Mark Driscoll. Um, The same people that are demonizing him today were quoting him five years ago. And so it's really, in my mind, it's kind of sickening how quick the Christian community will turn their back on you. And uh, I'm not turning my back on Mark. You know why? I don't think God's done with him. I think God's taught him some stuff in this season. I think Mark Driscoll has learned more about leading people through love than, um, let's just be honest, most seminary professors that have a blog. Yeah. And so I want to be the guy that's always been, um, hey, let's give this guy a second chance. You know, in, in the scriptures, um, John Mark quit on his first missionary journey, and Barnabas went after him. And it got so intense that Barnabas and Saul, or Paul, got in a fight. But toward the end of Paul's ministry, he writes to Timothy and says, hey, get John Mark, bring him to me. And so there was restoration there. I think Mark Driscoll um, needs to have a group of Christian brothers and sisters who will rally around. Listen, he's admitted his sin. He's asked for forgiveness. He's made mistakes. I just don't know what else the man can do. And so I'm gonna, I am gonna. I believe in him. I love him. I'm bringing him in for an interview so he can walk us through what he did right and what he did wrong. He's going to have a chance to tell his story. And if you're listening, and I, I'm going to say this, just and take it for what it's worth. If you're thinking, I'm not coming because of Mark Driscoll, don't even email me, because we will be blessed by your absence. He is a man of God who made some mistakes that he's admitted, he deserves a second chance. And at the end of the day, if you were in his shoes, how would you want people to treat you? Like the bloggers are treating him or like the way we're treating him? You know what? If I'm going to make a mistake, I want to make a mistake on the side of love, not on the side of being a jackass.
0: Yeah, I'd agree with that. And what who better to learn from them than some of that would be transparent and vulnerable about that season of his life? Why why can't we learn from yeah. that? I think it's I think it's fantastic. Well, uh, we've used up all our time today, maybe even then some. Thanks for listening, Perry. Before we sign off, though, any final thoughts about uh, anything you want to share with our listeners?
1: No, if you um if you if you are interested in the book or you want to pre order a copy or take a look at it, you can go to Amazon um, Amazon.com and uh, either type in a little search just my name. Or um, the, the most, most excellent, excellent way to lead, and it'll be it'll be in there, and um, people are already buying copies, which is yeah.
0: good. Hey, another thing I should mention: if you do pre-order a copy, you get to come to the conference. Your tickets less, right? It's you, way less, like thirty bucks less. Yeah, it's like thirty even bucks more less. than the cost of the book. Yeah. So, yeah, you need to go Amazon.com and pre-order your book. You
1: truly do save money buying my book. Perfect. It's amazing.
0: Thanks for listening this month, and we will get back with you guys in 2016.